Welcome to episode 9 of Set the Tone. I am your host, Tony. You can follow along this journey at Set the Tone underscore pod on Twitter. Again, that is at Set the Tone underscore pod. Did you miss me? We were away from the holidays for a few weeks, and just the chaos of life gets into it. But we have a Friday night edition of the podcast. UFC 269 tomorrow. We have the NFL to talk about. And boy, did the Thursday night game give us a little bit of something. The Steelers and Vikings. Steelers down 28 points, climb back in, have a chance to march down the field uh, with for a touchdown and potential two-point conversion to knock things up at 36. That does not happen. Steelers uh, with a pass broken up in the end zone by the Minnesota Vikings. But what's the storyline here? is that the second-year NFL wide receiver, Chase Claypool, out of Notre Dame, causes some issues. A great reception on fourth and one as the clock is ticking and the Steelers are out of timeouts. And what does Chase Claypool do? Well, a little first down celebration. Eh, no big deal, right? Well, it takes about five seconds off the clock. Five seconds that the Steelers could have back on the clock to run another play. Have another shot at the end zone. More so, Chase Claypool was benched in the first quarter for antics by Mike Tomlin. Obviously, the message was not received. And this is my biggest issue with today's day and age of the player being a me, me, me type of guy. Not that it comes into play all the time, but you talk about winning situations, right? Every situation must be won, and that's how you become a winning team. This is a case of losing a situation, not having the situational awareness to be smart enough to rush back to the middle of the field and put the football down. I don't care if the ref hasn't gotten there yet. You take the initiative and you have an offensive lineman hang on to the ball so a defensive lineman does not kick the ball, which they have the right to do because it's not down yet. Right? Or it's not spotted yet. But Chase Claypool is in a generation, and this is not all players, that have a me-first attitude. And is it a detriment every single time? No. But these are the cases where they pop up. And you can put this a little bit on the Steelers coaching staff and Mike Tomlin. But here's also the downside of that. Maybe they do go over this in in practice. Obviously, there's something going on because Mike Tomlin benches Chase Claypool in the first quarter. And the message isn't received. The issue then becomes, is Chase Claypool's talent still warrants him being on the field? But, a me-first attitude, we can call a deficiency in this case, hurts the team. You would say this is a learning experience. I've seen fans clamor online over the last 24 hours that maybe the Steelers shouldn't have been down 28 points. Valid, sure, you can cast blame on the defense. But if we take this as an isolated situation for what it is, just because something has happened before does not have to dictate how you move forward. Chase Claypool cannot control what the defense does. Chase Claypool can control 
what he does, how he acts, how he responds, how he rises to the occasion in a big moment. And I would say he dropped the ball here, right? It'd be an oxymoron. He didn't, but he missed in a big spot. And it's not to say that the Steelers convert with one more play. It's not. But what it is to say is that it's another chance, it's another breath that we never got to see live through. That's a big problem. So that kicks off week 14 in the NFL. We wrapped up week 13 in the NFL with the Patriots and Buffalo Bills on a tightly contested Monday Night Football game in Buffalo with wind swirling and massive gusts that impacted the game so much. Mac Jones was a solid two of three passing and very efficient handing the football off. It was a master class of coaching by Bill Belichick. Sean McDermott was upset and he was out coached. He was flat out out coached. The Bills defense didn't have a great answer. But that's okay. What's tough for Buffalo right now is their back's against the wall. Now they have to fight for a playoff spot. A team that we thought was a legitimate Super Bowl contender. A team that I still think is a Super Bowl contender. The difference with this Buffalo team and last year's Buffalo team is not that much. right? It's not what's different with Buffalo. It is, though. What's not different? And that's the team that stayed pretty consistent, pretty much the same. So while Buffalo remains the same and doesn't improve, that gives the rest of the league an entire offseason to study the Buffalo Bills. Gives them a blueprint to look at. You don't think Bill Belichick's going to have success with that? One of the greatest defensive minds the game has ever seen? Of course he will. And let's face it, Sean McDermott did not know what to do in a windy situation. The New England defense was mapped out perfectly for Buffalo not to be able to attack downfield as they usually do. They can play to the sidelines and force Buffalo's hand. It worked out very well. And now in just a few weeks, the Patriots and Bills are going to rematch. And I, there is this narrative that runs around right now that people are crowning the New England Patriots as the AFC representatives of the Super Bowl. They've looked good, don't get me wrong. Their defense is stout, don't get me wrong. But they have a bye week much like the Indianapolis Colts do. The Chiefs are coming to, into their own and have a nice little winning streak. Buffalo still has a chance to figure things out. Again, when they play in a, in a few short weeks here, I would not be surprised there is a term in horse racing. When a horse runs well but maybe gets a bad trip, call it a bet back. Right? We're going to bet that horse back the next race it comes out. Why would you not bet back Buffalo? Chalk it up to the weather just being an immense factor that got in the way of them performing. And, I mean, this is albeit the game will be in New England. Barring weather is not a factor again. But if you get just regular cold conditions, Buffalo can very well 
get back to form. They absolutely can and can win a game and be a threat again in the AFC East. I get New England has looked good. But what I've said before is that they have an absolute masterful offense in the dink and dunk realm where they can run the football a little bit and these are unconditioned to normal. But they also keep things simple for Mac Jones. They confuse the defense. And he does a very good job of working with what he is given. So you give Mac Jones a ton of credit. You give the run game a ton of credit. And the offensive line is good. It's just a great system. And I don't mean that Mac Jones is a system quarterback, but the New England Patriots are a well-oiled machine. That's not to say that they are invincible. Let's see how the New England Patriots react in a big spot against a big defense. A Colts team that's playing well, both teams coming off a bye. That's going to be a huge test. They get Buffalo. Buffalo has a chance to redeem themselves. That's another spot. And they end the season with Miami, who's on a five-game winning streak right now, as it sits, who's on a bye week. And people sit here and say, well, who have they played outside of the Ravens during that span? Over a five-game win streak, the Miami Dolphins have averaged 11 points against. I don't care that the competition is the New York Jets, the Houston Texans. When you have lesser competition in front of you, you want to smother them. And a dominant defense should do that. The Miami Dolphins defense has done exactly that in the last five games with Brian Flores calling the plays once again. So we can chalk it up and say, well, the Miami Dolphins might as well be back. Their offense has some holes. Well, it's more their offensive line has holes and cannot create any holes for Miles Gaskin or any time in the pocket for Tua Tungabailoa. That's an issue. But the New England Patriots are not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. As people want to make it out to be, the Patriots are back, here comes the dynasty, There are four weeks that remain, five weeks that remain in this NFL regular season. Some teams with four games, right, once we get through this week. And remember what I said a few weeks back, how week to week the NFL is? If we take chunks of this season at a four-week sample size, our view would be so much different. So much different. I'm just going to go back to week four here to see where things were in the NFL. The Raiders took a loss on a Monday night game to the Chargers. Right, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just squeaked by the Patriots. We thought the Ravens were world beaters. That has changed. The Rams were a Super Bowl team, but they just lost to the Cardinals at that point. The Colts finally got their first win of the year in week four. The Seahawks had beaten the Niners. We now think differently of the Niners. It's all these little things that change. Right? The Browns beat the Vikings. We now think differently of the Browns. The Giants had beaten the Saints. The Jets had beaten the Titans. Sure, the Titans are hurt now, but they're in a chance to win a division. 
and the Bengals just squeaked by the Jaguars on a Thursday night game with a last-second field goal where they only took a lead at that point when they won. You see how these things change? So I ask that you take a deep breath, pause, and let the NFL play out here. I had mentioned UFC 269 this weekend, so again, this is a Friday night episode. Tomorrow night takes place from Las Vegas, Nevada. The main event, Dustin Poirier, takes on Charles Oliveira for the UFC Lightweight Championship of the World. This is a fun fight for me, just and not, not just from a stylistic standpoint, but from the storyline that we get. Poirier made his UFC debut, let's see, well, fought in WEC beginning in 2010. And then WC was acquired by the UFC. So 2011, he makes his debut. Charles Oliveira has been around the game for years and years. And they both fought in uh, or fought at 145 pounds, now up to 155 pounds. So that's just a fun dynamic in itself. So it's the storyline. Guys that have been around the game for 10 plus years in the UFC at the highest level for 10 plus years now get to face off for the title. Charles Oliveira, who won the vacant belt against Michael Chandler. Uh, Dustin Poirier coming off of two straight wins, three straight wins, two of them being against Conor McGregor, and that's back-to-back wins. I like Poirier in this fight. He's a minus-150 favorite currently as it sits. I think his boxing is going to be crisp. We saw that was a hole for Charles Oliveira early on against Michael Chandler. The one thing that Michael Chandler does differently than Dustin Poirier goes for broke. A lot quicker. That's just his, in his nature. And it came back to bite him. He had a great first round against Charles Oliveira. was winning the fight. Got caught in the second and finished. I don't think Dustin Poirier makes that mistake. I think he's smart enough and well-versed enough to keep it on his feet. I think he is crowned as a new and first-time undisputed UFC champion in the lightweight division. Also on the card, Amanda Nunes takes on Juliana Pena. Uh, Nunes is the longest reigning UFC champ. Won the belt in 2016. Do not see her losing to Juliana Pena. I think that she can finish the fight. I think she does finish the fight. In a rather quick fashion. I just think that right hand is due to land that we haven't seen, and we get a flashback Amanda Nunes sort of style. Um, Also, kicking off the main card, Sean O'Malley takes on Julian Paiva, uh, Paiva, a Brazilian fighter. Sean O'Malley is an up-and-comer in the game, if you're not familiar with him. Very flamboyant in his style, very fun to watch, and he's a mid-20s. Uh, aged individual taking his time going through the ranks and I think going smartly about it. Has gift of the gab. Is just has flair. That's the best way to put it. Sean O'Malley has flair. He's entertaining. He's exciting to watch. And I think he can grip casual audience. Hopefully this is a card that grabs a little bit more attention here for Sean O'Malley to do so. We saw him last time on the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier card. Uh, he makes a pay-per-view return does Sean O'Malley. 
So that are those are three fights right there off the bat that I like. Also on ESPN tomorrow night, Vasily Lomachenko takes on Richard Comey in the sport of boxing. If you are not familiar with Vasily Lomachenko, I encourage you to do everything you can to watch that man fight. He's actually coming off a loss, the second loss of his career. I like to say the first. Uh, that first decision loss that Lomachenko had was absolute hogwash and robbery from the judges, but that's a sport of boxing for you. Uh, recently coming off of a loss to Tiafimo Lopez, who lost last week to George Kambosis. I think Lomachenko comes back with a vengeance. I think he finishes Richard Comey in relatively easy fashion. So that's some fun stuff to look out to. Uh, We'll get it moving along here. The Army-Navy game is tomorrow as well. Just an absolute incredible spectacle. Incredible spectacle to watch. And that's one of those bucket list events that I've not been to and need to get to. Need to get to an Army-Navy game, without a doubt. Sad news out of the out of the NFL, Demarius Thomas, Super Bowl winning wide receiver with the Denver Broncos, had passed away age 33. Just reports that I had read seems seizure related, um, and you really hope that that it's not anything brain related as a, as a cast of dark light. I, I don't know what it is, but it's an unfortunate, it's a sad situation. And you give thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, it just sucks. It really sucks. Also losing with a more interesting twist in the world of sports. Medina Spirit, this year's Kentucky Derby winner. Worked on the Santa Anita track, a five furlong work, and, uh, and had a heart attack after his workout, who had a decent 2021 campaign. Um, was still running. And passed away after a heart attack. We all know he was the Kentucky Derby winner in question uh, with the banned substance put into his system being trained by Bob Baffert. I don't know if this is a freak incident. You hope it is. You hope this is not drug-related for this horse. That an animal lost its innocent life. Because it was mishandled by a Hall of Fame trainer. You truly hope that's not the case. I know autopsies are being done. We'll learn more as it comes out. But sorry to end the podcast on a on a bit of a sour taste. But that sort of is the, the way it rolls. Uh, we'll get to the segment. I'll do that. We'll end it with the segment here. I do a survivor pick of the week. If there are still individuals participating... Week 14 in the NFL. Now, what's tough here is there are teams that you may not be able to pick, uh, that you have picked before. So I want to give out my top. If you haven't picked the Denver Broncos, they get the Detroit Lions at home. That's the move. I think I already picked when I was alive in mine. I had picked the Broncos. I would say that's a move. Outside of that, boy, Week 14 is tough. Maybe you take the Seahawks on the road. That might be a move there. Seahawks on the road taking on the Houston Texans. So I would go Seahawks or Broncos if you have the choice. Thank you all for joining. We're going to come back with this next week. 
in the throes of the holiday season. Wish you all well. We'll talk to you here soon. You can follow along again at set the tone underscore pod. That is at set the tone underscore pod on Twitter.